Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to our sixth Athletes Entrepreneur panel. I almost lost, lost track of which one it is. We started these back in October. We were like, ah, we'll do them every once in a blue moon, maybe once a quarter. When we got such good feedback, we decided we're going to do them every month. So here we are. This is our sixth one. We got another amazing lineup of panelists here for you today. If this is your first time joining us, what we do on Athletes Entrepreneur is we share the stories of current and former athletes who have now built an empire. They are, they are on the road or have already built their journeys, their processes, their entrepreneurial ventures after sport. And the goal is to inspire that next generation of athletes. We wanna show you, hey, it's not just LeBron James, right? Everyday people like you and I can become entrepreneurs too. So with that being said, it's a pleasure to have you here with us. I'm excited to kick this thing off. I'm coming to you live from my new home in Austin, Texas. And we're gonna get to this amazing group of panelists that we have for you. So first up, this is my big bro. I've had the pleasure of connecting with this man over the past year. I'm gonna give him a brief introduction and we'll dive right into his story. Mr. Thomas R. Williams is an author, a speaker, a philanthropist, an NFL player engagement ambassador and adjunct professor at USC. Thomas works with athletes, students, and professionals, challenging them to push beyond a mundane lifestyle and enter into a life of greatness. In 2008, after playing for USC, Thomas was drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars. He then went on to play for the Patriots, the Bills, and the Carolina Panthers. Thomas's passion for helping athletes see beyond the scoreboard comes from his personal journey as he transformed from a successful football career to fulfilling his life's purpose of motivating and encouraging others in transition. He wants to instill in every student athlete the understanding that greatness does not exist in the jersey, greatness exists in the athlete. Please welcome to Athletes Entrepreneur, Mr. Thomas Williams. Taj, what's up, man? We're here. Let's do it. What's happening, big bro? I get to go live with you twice in one week, man. I was just on the live with you on Monday. This is a beautiful thing. Yeah, man. It's almost like back to back. It seems like it might be. Uh, remember, I don't know if you played basketball AAU or if you played like little league baseball and you had tournaments and you played like three games in the same week and you felt like a major league or or a big time professional athlete. So here we are doing what we do best one more time. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's a pleasure to have you here. You've been a major source of inspiration for me over the past few years, man. Um, shameless plug. Hey, anybody tuned in right now, go back and check out Author Spotlight on the Self-Publishing 30 Days podcast. Go out and check out episode 87 of Frog After Sports. I interviewed Thomas. We did an in-depth, like, hour-long interview. But we got the man himself in the building here again live today. Thomas, one of the things that I wanted to start out with, man, uh, when I interviewed you last time, one of the things that's been sticking in my head that you said was that Everyone talks about the 1% who make it pro, but nobody talks about that 100% of us who will retire. So um, let's just dive right in, man. Like, I know I know it's a, a loaded question, but how did Thomas Williams go from being an athlete to an entrepreneur? Yeah, man. So I think with, uh, one, I love the athlete to entrepreneur mindset because so many of us get done playing and then we think we have to get into a normal, when I say normal, I mean like traditional, what everybody else is doing. So you go from being a superhero on the court or on the field, whatever your sport is, and then you almost have to take that cape off or that mask off. And then you have to turn into like a normal person, somebody who goes to work kind of, you know, Monday through Friday, works your 40 hours, and you kind of look for those two days on the weekend. Uh, for me, I knew that I didn't want that lifestyle. And I knew from college uh, that I couldn't. And I remember when I was in college and I had uh, internships every off season, you know, living in Southern California, living in LA, USC has a phenomenal 
Uh, they call it the Trojan family. So a huge network of people who love athletes and want to help them out. And so when I was in college, I used to have internships, different internships every year. Because one, you get money. And two, uh, you can pad your resume. And people always told me, man, you're going to have to have a resume when you're done playing, just like you had to have game film when you wanted to get recruited. So I was padding my resume and I was putting money in my pocket, making, you know, like $12, $15 an hour, a couple times a week. And I remember one day specifically when I went to, uh, it was my fifth year, my fifth internship at a financial um, uh, institution. I went and I was talking to one of the people at lunch and I said, so like you come here every day? And he was like, yeah. I was like, how long have you been coming here for every day? He goes, it's like my seventh or eighth year. And I just remember like as we finished lunch and I walked back to my cubicle and I did my little little job or whatever, I was like, sat back in my chair, I was like, man, I don't know if I can do this every day. Like I cannot do this every day doing that. And so I kind of got a sneak preview into kind of like my future and what it would be like. So when I got done playing that I knew that I couldn't just go into like the normal workplace. Like I already had figured that out. And one of the things that I love teaching athletes about right now is that you, you don't necessarily need to figure out what you want to do. Sometimes it's actually equally as important figuring out what you don't want to do. And when I was 22 years old, I figured out that's what I did not want to do. Now, when I got done playing, for me, it was it was it was a little bit easier for me to find out what I wanted to do. But the struggle came as far as like the personal struggles, the identity search in the quest, um, trying to identify what's transferable skills. Um, and then also, too, I love playing football. I really love going out there and banging up my body and, and feeling sore the next day, like after practice, after a game, like you know, bruising your, your hands, your shoulders, your, 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 your thighs, your legs. Like I, I enjoyed that. So I understood that I wasn't necessarily going to do that. Like I'm not going to try to get into MMA fighting or boxing or wrestling or anything like that, but I wanted to find something that I could still play the game. So one of the things that I love when I teach and when I help coach people through the transition of playing sports and not playing sports is what did you love about your sport that you can do outside of your sport? So for me, I never stopped playing football. I just don't tackle people anymore. What do you mean by that, Thomas? Like meaning like even this morning, like I just came from the beach workout. I had a 50 minute beach workout similar to when I was playing. Right. You got the cones. You got the speed ladder. You're doing your jumps. You're doing your broad jumps. You're doing, you know, your hip movements, your, your, your four cones and everything like that. Because you want to keep the mindset. And that's why I love athlete to mind or athlete to entrepreneur. Because when you keep the mindset of being a one percenter, that one percenter in high school, that one percenter in college, that one percenter in the league, when you keep that mindset that you can take that with you. No one said that when I get done playing that I can't do the speed ladder or I can't go lift weights or I can't work out. Now, how does that help me in my day to day business? Because just like in sports, there was never a coach that told me and said, Thomas, you can only have five tackles this game. Thomas, you can only have 10 tackles this game. Thomas, if you get 15 tackles, like don't make any more tackles, give it to somebody else. No, every coach told me, Thomas, make as many plays as you possibly can. Matter of fact, we, the more plays you make for you, the better we look as a team, the better we are as a team. And so it's the same thing when you're an entrepreneur. As an entrepreneur, I mean, no one tells me that I can only make five phone calls a day. Right. These are these cold calls. Uh, I can only reach out to five people on LinkedIn. You can reach out to as many people as you possibly can. So you're asking the question of Thomas, how are you? You know, what's the correlation between when you said working out, when you said being an entrepreneur, when you said being an athlete to now running your own company is that there's literally no cap. And so when you're working out for me, 
in particular, I don't really start to enjoy the workout until it starts to suck. Because when it starts to suck, it's like, ah, this is that fourth quarter mindset. This is like the training camp double days when you start to hear the little whispers in the locker room, or when you hear the whispers kind of like in the huddle or off to the side when people are like, man, this practice sucks, man. This is for the birds, man. Let's end it. And it's like, ah, that's the mindset that keeps the entrepreneur still on fire. Setting a goal to what you ultimately want to acquire or accomplish and understanding that you probably aren't going to get there. And that's okay. I wanted to make $50 million in the NFL. Ah, I never got there, but I was constantly pursuing it and pushing it. I want to, you know, make, you know, get drafted in the first round. I knew that that was probably not going to happen, but I was constantly pushing towards it. The same thing now. I want to make, you know, an additional $50,000 this year doing what I do. Ah, that might not happen this year, but I'm constantly pursuing it. I was never stagnant and never satisfied when I played, which made me, I think, part of that 1% club. And I'm doing the same thing as an entrepreneur of never being satisfied. Now, I'm not saying to never be satisfied and to be grumpy and to be um, anal, walking around just angry all the time because I have a family. And so I don't want to necessarily put that on them. But as far as the competition between me and me, man, never satisfied. Ooh, that competition between me and me. I love that. And I love what you said about I don't play – I don't play football anymore or just because I never stopped playing football. I just don't tackle people anymore. I might have to get that one tatted on me, man. I don't have any tattoos, but that just might be the first tat right there, man. Um, something else you shared about going from being a superhero to uh, a normal person. I think that's a fear that a lot of athletes have, man. And it's very difficult, like you said, to have that tenacity, no matter what sports you play, that competition with yourself, that going hard, that competing with your teammates just to go in a, into an environment where a lot of people don't have that same mindset. I think that's one of the most challenging things as well when you find yourself not only not knowing what you want to do, but being somewhere where you have that environment that's pushing you to be greater so that you can you can push yourself to be greater. Um, yeah. And I know, Thomas, you didn't just wake up and, and create the life that you did today. So I think it would be interesting for people to hear how you not only brought that tenacity of the football mindset into your everyday life, but how you decided, I want to apply that mindset to this particular route. So how did you start to carve out a lane for yourself and, and build a life where you could even transfer over all the, all the things you took from football into what it is that you do now? Yeah, so that's a great question. I wanna, I wanna be able to pause that question if we can. Um, and this is why I wanna pause it because you said something extremely important right there, which I think we can give the listeners and the audience a valuable gem of when you when you step off the field or off the court, you lose that competition with your with your teammates. You lose that competition with your opponent and with yourself. So then the majority when you're in a locker room or you're when you're in an athletic setting, you're the majority. Right. Everybody's ultimately competitive, you know, high level of achievers. They want to continue to rise, continue to grow, continue to grind. Now, when you step out of that realm, it's kind of people who are just okay with being mediocre. That's just what it is. That's that's human nature. That's how they've been trained. That's how they've been conditioned. And that's what they do. What the challenge is, is that how do you find your new tribe? How do you find your Taj? How do you find like the other night, Rennie, Laura, uh, my fiance is my teammate who is competitive. She is in the uh, tech space. And so she's ultimately competitive, not with her, her coworkers or her teammates, but with herself. She's grinding up at sometimes 4.30 in the morning on a Zoom call because it's an international Zoom call. She's grinding at 7 p.m. at night with her cohort that she does with her own philanthropic arm. Like, And so I'm literally listening in the other room and I'm like, oh, she's getting it. 
I got to get it. And it's just like when you're on the field and like, I'll never forget when I was, I was like, I was like a six man in basketball, but only played football. So I was like the the next man up, so to speak. And so we were, we would play games and guys like Ray Malaluga, Brian Cushing, Keith Rivers uh, were making plays, Clay Matthew making plays. And like, that got me excited when we're playing a game and these guys are out there making tackles for losses, you know, interceptions, sacks. And I'm like, I'm jumping up on the sideline, like coach, let me in, let me coach. They're having so much fun. Let me get some of that too. Like not, I hope they do terrible so I can shine. It's like, I want them to do so good because we have a level of expectation when we're stepping on the field. We have a level of expectation when we're grinding together. And so with that level of expectation comes an accountability. And so what we have to do is we have to find that new tribe. And so that's the encouragement. That's the challenge. That's the task is that now you went from a player to a recruiting coordinator. So a player, meaning like I was getting recruited to play on these teams. Now I need to recruit new people in my tribe that I already know the type of environment I want. I want ultra competitive, like people who expect greatness from themselves, accountability all the way around. Everybody holds themselves more accountable than they expect the accountability from others and people who ultimately want to shine and get to where they want to go. Now, so that was for that. And so really helping people understand it's all about your team. I've played on some teams that were phenomenal, 59 and six in college, USC. I understand what that culture is like. I played for the Buffalo Bills when they were trash. I played for the Carolina Panthers when they were trash. Just, just being real. Like I played for terrible teams. I played for the New England Patriots when they were good. I played for Jacksonville Jaguars when they were trash. I understand what a trash culture looks like. And I understand what the expectations of great cultures look like. All it is, is that everybody had the same salary cap. Everybody had the same number of scholarships. Everybody had the same numbers and the variables across. What is it? It's the culture. It's leading from the inside out. It's the expectations of one another. It's also the general. It's also the head coach. How they allow things to happen is exactly what people will fall in line to. You have people like Pete Carroll. Everybody knows what they're getting. People like Bill Belichick. Everybody knows what they're getting. Our coaches at the teams that I talked about that were terrible, the Bills, when we were terrible, they're good now. They were terrible then. Carolina, they were terrible. So there's no um, there's no surprise. You know what I mean? So we got to find that. Now, for me, understanding in my mindset was if I'm part of a $13 billion a year entity, I can at least be very successful doing this thing by myself because I understand the dynamics. And when you can understand the dynamics of how something goes, then you can just plug and play, copy and paste what I love to say. And so for me, it was, I literally took out a sheet of paper, Taj, that had uh, our schedule. And I'm trying to look around for it, but I can't find it. But that literally had our schedule of my last training camp in the NFL. It was wake up at 6, breakfast at 7, get taped at 7.15, 7.30. You know, you're in this meeting. And I literally pulled out this thing from start to finish. I was like, hmm, there has to be something in this because every NFL team that's worth billions of dollars, runs this same type of schedule. So let me take the same schedule start to finish and now let me change what they used to write and now let me put what I need to write. So what does that mean? That means Thomas waking up at six. First thing I need to do is I need to read and pray. So I don't need to I don't need to get taped anymore. I don't need to go to film study anymore. I need to find out what is that for me. So now I need to read. I need to study. Um, I need to do my own personal development. I need to read my Bible. Okay, great. Now this thing says go to an offensive meeting, defensive meeting. My structure is, okay, now I need to reach out to people who are in the industry who are doing what I'm doing. Call Taj. Taj, what are you working on, man? Oh, really? That's cool. Call my other mentors. 
uh, you know, John Gordon, other people who are in that space who are still doing things who can elevate me, who can keep me accountable. This is the same stuff that I was doing when I was playing, but now I'm doing it completely different in a sense of you just have to change what those meetings were like. You know, so many times as athletes, we just try to go off completely all the way and figure it out. Okay, I'm going to start this thing from the ground up. Don't start it from the ground up. Why would I start something from the ground up when I'm 100% positive that this works out? I'm 100% positive that this works out with this way. You work hard, you work for this long, you're going to get this amount of success. Now, if you don't work hard, you don't work intentional, and you don't work this long, then this is what you're going to get. So with that being said, is that, man, I'm really, I'm really lucky to have experienced some of the things that I've experienced as far as being around the Tom Brady's of the world, the Bill Belichick's, you know, winning national championships, going to playoff games that I was able to watch and observe. And I'm also lazy enough to figure out, I don't want to figure it out brand new anymore. I don't want to try to recreate it. I want to just copy and paste. If it works over there, then it definitely can work over here. Man. Oh, I'm loving this conversation, Thomas. I'm loving what you're sharing. I love how you share it. I'm just lazy enough to copy what works, to copy what's genius, to copy Jesus. I always say I'm ambitiously lazy, meaning I want to work hard. Obviously, we have a football background. There's no issue with waking up every day and putting in work. But at the same time, you want to be putting in work with the right thing. Um, I got a page of notes over here, man. I want to touch on something else you said where a lot of us, before we identify that we need to find that team, we go into lone wolf mode. I know I did for sure, which really doesn't make a lot of sense to go from this tight, this tight knit group of team to I just got to figure all this out by myself. And like you said, start from the ground up and do it on my own. It actually took me until I was about 26. I think that's when I reached out to you. That was like three years ago. I reached out to you. Hey, Thomas, I love what you're doing. I want to do something similar. You know, I don't want anything. I just want to be on your radar. And, and from there, that was the mindset that I started realizing, okay, I need to connect with other people. I need to um, get with people and, and, and run with people who are going in the same direction, you know? Um, and even with like self-publishing 30 days, you mentioned having a good head coach and following that, like Darren Palmer, the founder of self-publishing 30 days is a great coach, a great leader who creates that environment for a team where I don't have to do everything on my own anymore. I can run with a team now. And that's a beautiful thing, man. Yeah. Um, now, you do so many different things. When I was reading your bio, and I, I know all this about you anyway, but like some stuff has been unveiled to me over the years since we connected. I didn't know about the adjunct professor position that you hold at USC. Um, I didn't know about the NFL player engagement board. I didn't know about any of these. But can you just walk people through how your journey started to unfold? I know you were already doing some speaking engagements and yeah. things like that while you were playing. But what happened from there and how were you able to um, just get to this place that you're at right now? I think it's an interesting journey. Yeah, it's uh, it started out as, uh, well, my fiance and I were talking last night about serial entrepreneurs. And the question arose between us was, do serial entrepreneurs know that they wanted these three to four or five different companies or these things that are inside of them? Like, does Elon Musk go, hey... I'm going to I'm going to be, you know, I'm 18 and I know I want to go into like PayPal and then I want to create Tesla. Like I want to do, you know, electric cars and then I want to do space like or does one kind of lead to the next. You have a couple conversations, you build relationships, something inspires you to kind of go to the next. Like, how is it like I'm so fascinated with that aspect and that part. So for me, you know, including myself in the, the conversation, I guess the answer that I had of the question last night is that I never knew I would end up here. 
I started, I started, it's having the mindset very similar to like playing ball of like growing what you know, give something everything you have, because then it's going to give you all that you deserve. And so giving football all that I had gave me so many transferable skills. It gave me so many life lessons. So now you can teach on it. So for me, I've always loved being in front of a crowd. I, I literally like got, I, I tell my parents all the time, like I was practicing speaking in, in class when I was in elementary school. I just used to talk at the wrong time. Uh, and I used to get kicked out of school. Now I get paid to go back to school and speak in schools, which is so ironic. You know, there's really a conversation inside of that. So for me, like being a middle linebacker, I stood in front of 10 people. When I transitioned, I wanted to still be a middle linebacker. How can I stand in front of people and get them fired up on their assignment, their job? Oh, okay. So there's this thing called motivational speaking. So then I just started motivational speaking, talking. Hey, you know what, man? We have uh, somebody then reach out to me and said, hey, the NFL has a program for speakers going back into colleges. I'm like, this isn't outside of what I do. I'm a communicator. I effectively communicate with people, getting them to see the things that they don't even believe that they can do. Got it. So when that came you know, in front of me, I was like, sure, let's do it. Then I did that for a little bit longer. Then you start to get introduced to more people who are like, hey, I think you would be great for this. A couple years fast forward, I get introduced to a coach. I actually wrote it down. Three days before it happened, I wrote it down. I said, I need a, just like I needed a really good coach in football, I need a really good coach in motivational speaking and personal public de- or personal development, personal and professional development. I get introduced three days later to my mentor and friend, John Gordon. So then after that, somebody calls me and says, hey, uh, it was at USC. They needed um, a couple of slots filled for their summer program. Somebody to come in and teach on identity, keep, teach the athletes you know, on transition, teach them on social media etiquette, teach them on you know, how to network. I was like, sure, I'll do it. So I did this, these couple of, you know, one-offs for the next couple of years. And then I was like, hey, are there any more opportunities to do something else? They were like, yeah, we have this class that's run weekly at USC for the incoming freshman student athletes. You would be great for it. Cool. PhD 165. You want to be a teacher? Yeah, I do. Sure. Let's do it. If I can be in front of athletes speaking to them about transitioning to the next level of play or transitioning outside of sports, I'm all for it. So the number one thing, you know, with answering that question is that you go full throttle with what you're already doing. Like there, there's there, you know, so many times along the way, people would try to say, you know what you should do? You should do sports commenta- commentating like, you know, the game like you can speak. And so I tried it. I really did. I tried it for one season. It sucked. I hated it. Like shout out to everybody who does it. It's just not for me. Like it, it's not. And so the same thing when people are like you should try, you know, uh, personal training. And I used to put together some like group workouts. I was like, this is not for me. I don't like it. Like, so other people tried to pull me outside and away from what I was called to do. But then you do it. Then you find out that this isn't what I should be doing. This isn't what I'm passionate about. Yeah, sure. Could I do it? Absolutely. But what's calling me is the athlete's transition. What's calling me is personal and professional development with corporations and executives. Awesome. Let's go down that line. And the more I would do it, the more opportunities inside of that would do it. It's almost like you remember playing Mario Kart, like on Nintendo 64. And like when you're driving your Mario Kart, you go regular speed. But then when you hit that green arrow, it just zooms you like zoom, zoom, zoom. 
And so I feel like when you're in your zone, when you're in your lane and you're hitting, like you're doing what you're called to do, what your purpose is, what's pulling you, you're literally driving on those green arrows. Zoom, 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 zoom. Like it goes by fast, it goes by quick. Anytime you get pulled out is when you start going average and normal speed. So you're going to be on the same road, but would you rather get there quicker so you can enjoy more of it longer? Or would you rather just drive and just say, man, I'll get there whenever I get there? For me, I, I want to grow. I want to elevate. I want to keep advancing. I want to keep, I want to see, to be honest with you, I want to see if I'm part of the one percenter inside of this lane, just like I was part of one percenter playing athletes. Like I want to, I'm constantly asking the question and I feel like I'm going to have an answer by the time I die is, is athletics and sports the only thing I was ever great at? Mm. Well, we already know the answer to that, Thomas. That's quite evident in everything that you do, man. Oh, let me let this dog out real quick before you go. Yeah, straight. go ahead, man. You gotta let the puppies out. Yeah. Don't ever want you don't ever want to let the puppies stay in, man, because they're gonna let you know. They're gonna let you know, hey, I don't appreciate that. You're gonna come home to a nice surprise. <laughs> yeah, he was going nuts. I had to let him out. But um, something else, I love that analogy you gave of the the green arrow. YB said this is great info. I agree, YB. Thank you for being here, sir. Thank you for tuning in. Um, I love the analogy of the green arrow you gave from Mario Kart because to your point, figuring out what you don't want to do is just as important as figuring out what it is that you want to do. And like you said, once you're locked in on that, you hit those metaphorical green arrows and you just you just ride it all the way out. So I think a perfect way, um, I would love to get some advice because I know we have a lot of uh, former athletes who tune in and they may be in that lost stage and they may say, yeah, Thomas, that sounds great. I'm glad you found your way, but I've been out a few years now. I'm struggling because this was me. And, you know, I didn't know about you two years later. Otherwise, I definitely would have reached out. But a lot of people say, I'm just lost, man. I'm trying. Uh, you know, I'm working these jobs. I don't know what it is that I want to do. I can't find that thing that lights me up or inspires me to put the work in the same way I did with my sport. So for those athletes out there who are lost, can you just give um, any sort of advice on how to I call it like the process of discovery, how to start to find clarity around what it is that, that they want to do so they can start going full throttle yeah. towards it. Yeah. So here's what I keep next to me all the time. I don't know if you can see it, man. Let me. Time let me... is nowhere. Yeah. Time is nowhere. I can see it. Or, or. What else do you see? Well, can you hold it up a little bit? Right, I don't see anything. <laughs> Time is now here. Oh, okay. okay. So now we can get into the conversation, Taj. I keep this. Me. I keep this here all the time for a reason. Because when I was struggling, I thought time was nowhere. But when I looked at the situation and the opportunities, different is that time is now here. I walked into church three days after I retired, and I heard the the song of "Amazing Grace." Of my chains are gone, and now I'm free. I thought football was my purpose, but it was my passion to lead me through my purpose. So the thing is, is what we have to understand is that where do we feel like we're getting called to? We're, what's pulling us? So anybody who's lost, anybody who's in that stage of stagnation, what's pulling you? Not because football, sometimes we used to have to run towards it. We have to go towards the goal. Now, when we find ourselves with 24 hours in a day, what's pulling us? What's the momentum that's pulling us? There's something that's calling your attention. There's something that's calling your energy. When you can identify what that is, then you don't go into, it's literally a, a shift of momentum. You don't have to sit there and keep running towards this. I don't even have to think about it. 
Now, for me, if I, I'll give you a perfect example. We just moved to a new, new spot. And so for me, I have to think about where to put things. My fiance has no, like literally, she can literally walk into a room and go, here's, here, here's, here, here's, here, here's, here. For me, I have to think about it and it's draining. That's not calling me. But when somebody calls me in the lick of five minutes, I literally need 30 minutes to put together a presentation, a PowerPoint, or a coaching program to help people transition and get out of their way and open up their perspective. Literally shifting them from time is nowhere to time is now here. That's what I do. I can do it. I know it. You want to? We we can go and work out right now. It will take me 30 minutes to put together a workout. That's what I know. So what we have to do first is you have to figure out what is it that you want to do? Well, I don't know. Well, what is easy for you? What's calling you? Because now more than ever, you can make money. You can make a career. You can make a, a business out of anything. And so if you're trying to figure out what it is that you should be doing, literally sit there and figure out where are you spending most of your time? Where are you spending most of your time? You know, back in the day, people used to tell us we were wasting our time playing video games. Now they're giving out scholarships for video games. Now they have these things called eSports and they have like E3 where they have these conferences, they have these tournaments where literally people are making millions of dollars playing video games. There's something inside of you. I chose to help athletes because for me, I wanted to find a void. The void was where can I go when I'm done playing? Since there was nothing that I felt that was helping me I found myself wanting to be part of the solution. You need help transitioning outside of sports? Cool, I'm your guy. I want to help you. Why? Because I had to go on the journey and I felt alone by myself. You want to go to the next level of, of your business? I'm your guy. But you want to buy a house as, as in real estate? I'm not your guy. There's a lot of money. It's extremely lucrative. I'm not your guy. You want to sit there and you want to uh, decorate a house, interior decorate, whatever it is. Like, I'm not your guy. I know what I'm good at. And so what we have to do is very similar to sports. You might have to take a piece of paper, you know, write it down, take a pen, write it down. Because what happens as athletes, what we do is we write down our 40 times. We know how high we can jump. We know how many times we can bench press 225. We know all of these things about ourselves. So it's, it's not saying that we can't do it. We just need to shift our perspective and say, what am I good at? What am I, what, where, where am I spending most of my time? You can go to your phone. If I go to my phone right here, it will sit there and say, this is where you're spending all of your time in this app on this doing this. So when we can take those things very similar to like when we played sports and we can say, I'm good at this, then that's where we can find our purpose. Because again, you have to look at it as time is nowhere or time is now here. Time is nowhere means that the best days are behind me. The jersey, the helmet, the cleats, the scoreboard, the best days are behind me. But when you say time is now here, finally, I have all my time. Coaches told us everything to do. Coaches told us what to eat, what time to get there, how much, how much to weigh, what position, where to look, how to step, how to stand. That's time is nowhere. Our time was gone. Our time was taken. When you say time is now here, that means you literally get all of your 24 hours in a day. You can choose what you do. If it's something that you really ultimately want to do, there's no coach telling you that you can't score as many points as you want. There's no coach telling you that, hey, you only get two series. You only get, you know, two possessions. No, you have 24 hours in a day. It's up to you. And so you have to answer the question, am I just a great athlete or am I a great person who just so happened to be a great athlete? Is the jersey that makes me or is it the person who wore the jersey? Look, 
I can tell you this right now. I wore number 41 in high school. I wore 41 in college. I wore several numbers in the league. Everybody is still wearing my jersey. Everybody's wearing my jersey in Carolina. Everybody's wearing my jersey at SC. Everybody's wearing my jersey at Vacaville High School. Meaning, I'm the one that wore it like I did. You're the one that wears it like you. Can't nobody wear it. They can wear your number, but they can't rock it like you. And so the same way you deal with that is the same way you live your life now. Well, I'm lost. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're just not doing the work. I tell you right now, I can tell there's, I was reading the other day, Oscar De La Hoya is getting ready to come back and box. He ain't got no business coming back and boxing. Mike Tyson and all these dudes. I loved it. I watched it. But like when we can still do it. And if you can motivate yourself to go play a game that you used to play still right now. Hey, let's go. Hey, Taj, let's go. Let's go. Let's go out there and do seven on seven, man. Let's go get right. Oh, shoot, man. Let's go. Let's go. If you can do that. You just have to take a little bit of time again, because it's now here. You take a little bit of time and that you dedicate it to what you're doing now. Oh, my gosh. It's crazy. Get around people who are doing the things that you want to do or get around people who aren't using a crutch. There's a thing and I'll leave I'll leave with this, man. I get fired up. That's that's literally what what I that, that's I what it. drives me. And what excites me is that is that thing right there is that there's a stigma saying that. What we used to do is all that will ever be, not knowing that what we can become is greater than we've ever been. Mm. Got to understand that. And so the thing that I really resonate with that is that when I was in New England, um, inside of the, the training staff uh, room, they had this amazing sign. And the sign said, never allow what you can't do interfere with what you can do. Never allow what you can't do interfere with what you can do. And that's what we're having a trouble with now is what we can't do is interfering with what we can do. Well, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. So, and man, and, and, and biblically it's like understanding at the very beginning of the Bible, it said, God said, don't eat from this tree of knowledge of good and evil. Like he didn't say, don't go to other trees. He said, don't go to this one tree. It's like the one thing that we can't do play sports anymore is interfering with what we can do is what is infinite. A hundred percent of us have to retire. A hundred percent of us have to transition. Even though we talk about the one percent of us that get to go play college sports, they get to go play professional sports. And all them fools are going to retire too. All them jokers are going to retire too. And they're going to have to find out what they want to do. So all of us are in the same boat. In the competition, the competitor in you is that anybody can do it once. That's called luck. Anybody can play sports. Anybody can go to that next level in sports, but can you do it again? Is the grind greater in you or is it greater in that jersey, man? Ooh-wee. Thomas, you got me fired up on a Saturday afternoon, man. See, this is why I want to have you on the panel, man. I appreciate you. The time is now here, folks. The time is now here. It's now man. here, man. That's right. It took me a minute to get it, but I got it. <laughs> I got it now for sure. You really brought it home with that one, man. That's a perfect way to wrap up. Thomas, I thank you for your time. I thank you for pouring it to the people who are tuned in right now. This was phenomenal. Like I said, you got me ready to start doing some push-ups and go right around the block right now, man. Uh, before we get out of here, I know you're uh, you know, you're very private. You're a family man. You don't want just anybody and everybody reaching out. So we're not going to plug the social media. Like I always I always crack a joke. If you want to get in touch with Thomas, you got to go through me. I'll bet you first and let you know if it's a good fit. But is there anywhere you want to point people to or just any parting words before we wrap up? Yeah, man, I want to point people to there's there's 
here's here's what I'm big into right now. I was listening to uh, to some stuff uh, this morning on the on the workout, and um, there's a cat by the name of Inky Johnson that I'm listening to right now. Man, I'm 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 really going down the rabbit hole of Inky because I love his spirit. I love his energy. Um, so I would encourage everybody. I'm gonna point you to not to me. I'm gonna point you to find a person who's doing what you want to do. And making sure that you're you're investing your time wisely and how to get engaged with them, study them, listen to them. Right now, we have an ultimate ability to connect with people without ever connecting with them. So find some people that are doing the things that you want to do. If it's transitioning outside of sports, find some of their podcasts, find their platforms, listen to them. They'll coach you up along the way. It's actually free coaching if you really think about it, you know, through YouTube and through, you know, Apple, iTunes and whatnot. So find those people, man, and and understand that where you are is never too late. And if you continue to not even continue, if you have any type of regret or if you have any type of judgment towards yourself, the process is going to be a lot longer and harder than it needs to be. Start now because the time is now here, not the time is nowhere. Boom. We'll wrap it up with that, folks. You just heard from Thomas Williams. Thomas, thank you for all the work you do, man. Thank you for uh, all the ways you've been able to pour into me and for the way you pour into others and for just being a great servant. YB says Inky's dope. He has a few podcasts called Serendipity. Uh, That just goes to show, you know, I think that speaks to the type of man you are and say, hey, I'm going to point you in the direction of someone else who can help help you. You already helped us enough today, man. So, Thomas, I'm going to let you go. I know you got things to do. Thank you for being here with us. And uh, we'll we'll be uh, in touch very soon, bro. I appreciate you. You know how you do it, man. I love this thing that you're doing, man. And the stuff that you're doing, I mean, you're such a great example for the people who are in transition, who want to transition, who want to do more. You're not sitting there saying, what was me? Uh, You're sitting there saying, what can I do? And so you're a wit, not a wham, man. I'll leave you guys with this. Wit is a W-I-T, whatever it takes. Wham is a what about me? You can't win with what about me's, but you can win with W-I-T's, whatever it takes. And Taj, you are whatever it takes. Mm, drop the mic, Thomas. Thank you, big bro. I'll see you I'm soon. Yeah. Man, folks, how about that Thomas Williams? I wasn't joking, man. He got me fired up right now. I feel like I need to go get a workout in or something. And I already worked out this morning. All right, next up, we got my sister in the building, Tamika Newman, Houston's very own H-Town stand-up. All right, you're not ready for this this bio I'm about to read. I was reading this last night. Like, I have, I have to get into the right frame of mind before I read this to you guys. Shattering the glass ceiling, setting a new standard, leading the way and winning best describes Tamika R. Newman's journey. Tamika's passion for sports and her desire to help students in underserved communities has kept her in coaching and education for over a decade. She's the author of Grateful and Greedy, Challenging and Redefining What It Means to Win in Life, as well as the owner of Grit and Grind Athletics, which we will definitely talk about. Uh, Grit and Grind Athletics is a service dedicated to giving coaches and athletes the tool to achieve optimal performance on and off the playing field. In addition, she's an assistant volleyball coach at Prairie View A&M University. Please welcome the athlete entrepreneur, Ms. Tamika R. Newman. <laughs> hey! What's going on, Tamika? How you doing? I am great. Uh, outside of the fact that you have me going behind Thomas, and I was like, this is a hard act to follow. Oh, please. See, you got your own act, though. That's the thing. You got your own act, and that's why I wanted to have you on here. Um, if you, I know you have a busy day today. We were talking about that beforehand. So if, any, if at any point you need to go, just let me know, all right? Yeah, I got about 110. I'll be good. 110 is great. Okay, perfect. Then we got plenty of time to let you rock this thing because I know there's a lot you can share. So 
just take us through really quickly because you and I had a conversation a while back and you were telling me some of the challenges you faced, not only through your transition, but as you got into the coaching world. And that was actually the catalyst that launched you into starting uh, Great and Grind Athletics and doing everything you are today. So can you just take people who are tuning in right now through your through your journey of when you finished playing and what that process was like? And we'll just we'll pick it up from there. Awesome. So I played basketball and volleyball at Prairie View A&M. That's a small HBCU uh, about 50 miles outside of Houston. Uh, and my goal when I went to college, I wanted to be the next Pam Oliver. I wanted to be a sideline <laughs> reporter. Um, and I dabbled in that in college. Um, so I was in communications and then I would work in the athletic um, with sports information when I was in the off season. So I had a great career in volleyball. I only did basketball the first two years, finished up with volleyball. As good as a career you can have at a small school, made it to the NCAA tournament, was conference player of the year. And I did an internship with the radio station in Houston. And uh, it was awful. You know, I was like, okay, I'm going to go here, do some do girl work, busy work. And instead of that, I was pretty much invisible, right? I was invisible. Um, not to mention, I was a little bored with the content. They were kind of just, you know, sports gossip, right? And I was really interested in um, color commentating, analyzing a game. I was really good at that. And I knew I knew that there was a climb you needed to make to, before you could do that. But so I was ignored for six weeks. I said, what am I going to do? Right. And I didn't have a blueprint. So I want to be clear and state that I had no blueprint because no one in my family had graduated college. All right. And no one had went to college on an athletic scholarship or any kind of scholarship. And now I have fought imposter syndrome the entire way in college because I have no blueprint. And now I went and earned this degree and I have no idea what I want to do. So I went to graduate school became a graduate assistant and I took a kid, uh, I went to coach at a charter school while I was a grad assistant. Uh, my best friend's dad called me back to the neighborhood and said, hey, I think you'll be a great fit to work with these girls. I go and coach at this charter school, take a kid home and the kid clearly has no running water. There's no lights. Um, and I know what that looks like because I'm from the neighborhood, right? I can tell. And in that moment, um, I decided that I wanted to kind of stand in the gap for kids that were growing up like that. Um, and I was from low resource. It never got that bad for me. Uh, but I was inspired that day and said, I think I want to be a coach. And so I got certified to teach and I became a coach. Um, and very quickly, um, I realized a few things. Um, it was partly due to my attending an HBCU uh, for undergrad and grad that I didn't pay much attention to the color of the skin of volleyball coaches. <laughs> I was coached by white coaches. It was fine. Um, I was coached in college by, you know, black coaches and I was immersed in HBCU volleyball culture and I coached club and uh, it was mostly white. And so, but somehow I overlooked the fact that no black coaches were really coaching at a high level high school in Houston, where volleyball is huge. It's huge in the state of Texas, period. And decided to pursue being a head coach. 
And the first uh, went on seven interviews. So I got in. I was a JV coach and then I was a club travel coach. And I said, I want to be a head coach. I went on seven interviews and the first three people call me back and offer me to be the basketball and track coach. And I was like, I didn't even look to see that y'all had those openings. I'm here for volleyball. Right. And uh, it, it dawns on me. Um, and I just kind of look around and, whoa, this is this isn't a thing. There are black coaches or uh, women of color in the inner city, just outside the city, but in the suburbs where volleyball is king, there were there was one. Uh, there were two. And so long story short, uh, I interviewed, gave in an interview for a varsity assistant job, which is pretty high up there. And that coach interviews me and say, you, you should be a head coach. And she she's a white lady. And she recommended me for the sister school down the street. And I went there for five years. And uh, the interview issue with being offered to be a basketball and track coach was just the beginning of what I dealt with for the next 10 years. And um, from just lack of buy-in, uh, like I said, I didn't come from the prestigious University of Texas or Rice. So just played low-level volleyball, um, you know. And so just didn't get the respect of other coaches where they could walk in the gym and command respect. Uh, when I walk in the gym, the questions start coming. Can you do this? Do you know what you're talking about? And so 2019, I uh, had a really crazy year. I coached at a really affluent school and probably the most um, the most overt racial actions happened. And uh, I started thinking about, um, you know, you do something for 10 years and you just start feeling like a professional. And I thought I had a very good knack on volleyball. Um, and I knew that because I'd go watch some college practices just as some professional development. And they weren't far off from some of the from some of the way that I trained my kids. I felt really good about that. My kids were starting in college. Um, they were they were starting, they were competing. I was getting great uh, feedback about their preparedness mentally and physically. So I knew that I was doing the right thing. I was like, how could God be um, sending me a sign that maybe this is it for me? Um, and I went into coach, I go back to, I went into coaching for impact and uh, specifically low income kids and in low resource areas. And I uh, wanted to win so bad. And my book talks about this, right? From my low income raising and, you know, I wanted to win. I just wanted to win. And got into, you know, the affluent side of things, one very early, despite challenges every single year, you know, and then got more affluent jobs. Right. And got obsessed with winning and really went away from my original goal, which was to create impact in low resource areas, not places where kids had everything and trainers and um, they got this coach and that coach. And so. God just kind of woke me up and I was like, wait, this isn't even what I got into this for. And, um, you know, I've done all this, you know, now I kind of roll in these entrepreneur circles and they're like, we got to solve a problem. We got to solve a problem. And I was staring a problem in the face. There was no resources in uh, certain communities in terms of volleyball. It was very, it was not very diverse. Um, and I, I'd see those teams that um, didn't have a lot of resources when I was at tournaments. And I always felt a sense of guilt coming in there with my affluent team 
who doesn't even want me anyway. Mm. <laughs> they don't even think I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'd be seen as a pro at another school, but not even making it about me, Taj. I saw the lack of resources in those areas and said, I have the ability to go back um, and help in those areas. And so um, I developed my business, Grit and Grind Athletics. Um, and on top of going in those areas to teach volleyball, one of the biggest um, gaps I saw in my, my elite affluent athletes were they really weren't strong mentally. They weren't. They had more resources than any other generation. The kids were coaching now, uh, but they can't make the jump mentally. Right. They didn't have any uh, any type of self-awareness. Um, you know, their confidence was surprisingly low for kids that were <laughs> trained and coached so much. Um, and then my own story of not taking my own personal development more serious and really being totally immersed in professional development. Like I said, I went to college practices and I was like, oh, I already do this. I already set this up this way. So I did the work there, but I probably would have handled and been able to handle all of the controversy better had I really focused on my personal development. And I probably would have been out of it sooner. It wouldn't have taken 10 years. And I, I know I still coach um, at the college level. And it's a little bit different. I went here, it's HBCU. So there's issues, but not the issues I had in high school. So that the grit, uh, obviously, is just mental toughness and stamina. And then grind is the work. And I think that athletes and coaches have got to combine both. Um, all athletes and coaches, in particular, I focus in on low resource areas and um, minority, female minority coaches and athletes. So that's kind of how it was birthed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I love, one of the things I love about what you do, Tamika, is not only do you put an emphasis on serving those athletes, right, in those communities, the same communities that you came from, but you you focus on developing the coaches as well. Like, you're a coach. Your, your organization is a, is provides coaches for the coaching so you can develop the coaches to coach the players. So yeah. I think the way, the way you, you develop that system uh, is really well thought out. How do you go about, like, I'm just curious, because it's one thing for you to develop the, the players because you're a coach, obviously. You've been coaching. You were a, a baller in college as well. But how do you go about developing a coach to help them uh, effectively coach their players? That's a whole different, like, uh, set of skills. So how do you so go about I call doing it that? Re Yeah, so I call it redefining a coach. And I sat in hours, hundreds of hours of professional development and nothing um, really, you know, they never touched on personal development. You know, they talked a little bit about leadership, but they didn't really talk about um, things that were that were relevant to your personal development to even lead, you know? So the framework for my program is that we're re redefining that. And so the order that I created that a coach needs to focus on to, to, to in the end develop athletes is a coach's personal development first, coach's professional development, right? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Coach's development first, player personal development, coach's professional development, and then at the very end, player development. Yeah. Um, and I can say myself, I was doing it out of order. Um, was I 
I was helping to create and um, influence and build women. Absolutely. I wasn't just helping to create these great athletes. Right. And I was raised by my grandmother. So some people would say I was too strict. I'll be honest. But I was definitely about character and leadership, making good choices. Um, But I was preaching that before I had developed my own self-awareness, increased my own emotional intelligence. Right. Um, And I wasn't prepared for the backlash or I wasn't prepared to deal with this kind of kid or that kind of kid or this kind of parent and that kind of parent. And it really breaks you down and wears on you. So, um, like you said, I coach coaches and I start with reconnecting them to their why and then redefining what success looks like for them. So if I go to a coach and she's in the inner city and winning, as in your record, probably isn't going to be her standard of success there. But if they've got a huge dropout rate or a lot of girls aren't coming out for sports anymore because they're getting jobs or I don't know, want to go chase the boys. Then her, then her, 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 her standard of winning. All right. Or her definition of winning is probably to increase attendance, you know? And so I start from there and then we go into um, some leadership, building a leadership culture, coaching Gen Z, um, Creating systems in your personal life and your program. I'm a big proponent of creating systems. Um, And that's because I knew I burnt out. And now I'm a single parent that coaches. And I only the only way I'm able to do that, do Green Grind Athletics, write a book, co-author a book with Taj, uh, recruit. It's a lot of stuff. Some people can't believe it. And it's because of the systems I implement, which I learned as an athlete, right? To implement systems, just the way I do what I do every day. Um, and so I really, um, you know, there's no coaching clinic that ever touched on how to create balance with coaching. They're telling you uh, build relationships, build relationships. Everything they were encouraging you to do that would that would help you be successful and win was requiring more time. But no one was telling you how you were going to keep your marriage, raise your kids, still, you know, be a productive part of your family and go win championships. And I followed that for a really long time. You know, I had a kid at 30, you know, and I I remember thinking, you know, if it happens, it happens. It doesn't. It doesn't. You know, I, I like my career. You know, I'd worked the whole school year, the whole summer, every break, clinics, camps, whatever I could find. And you can really get lost in the sauce with chasing winning. Um, and I think it was mine was an overkill because I had a chip on my shoulder for how I came into the business. No one wanted me there. So I was going to prove to you that I was super capable, had the work ethic. Um, and so I tried to really talk to the the coaches about, you know, not letting their drive to be successful um, cause them to, um, what is it? Just compromise their personal goals. You know, it's, it's all in one. It can go together. You don't have to do it like everybody. You know, I watch coaches. uh, I'll say guys, I'll pick on guys. Stay at the office. The football (laughs) team is at the office, right? Doing nothing. But no one wants to be the first person to leave and doing nothing. These extra two or three hours after you guys are done over the course of the years, you're really not raising your kid. 
I have friends that their dads were coaches. They don't get along well with their dad, but there's thousands of athletes that are going to be at their dad's funeral and say their dad changed their life. And so, you know, I, I encourage minorities. I encourage anybody, you know, trying going into coaching and athletics that, you know, you don't have to you don't have to do it the way it's been done. So I really preach to coaches to redefine coaching so they stay in it so that we have representation. My kid is five. She loves sports. Um, and if minority coaches aren't supported and supported from an aspect of your personal development is important in this. It's the most important thing. They're not going to stay in coaching. And then our little black and brown kids, they're not going to be coached by anybody that looks like them. And that's what motivates me even more now than ever. That would probably be my why. And my why lives with me and she's almost five. <laughs> so um, that that totally increased my sense of urgency and clarity about what it is I was trying to do. Um, you know, what my end goal was. What is it for them to stay in it, for them to not compromise their health, compromise their quality of life and their family to go and help raise other people's kids. And I did that for a really long time. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, Tamika, I, I love that. One of the things I love most is when people, just like Thomas was sharing, just like a lot of people that we have on these panels, their business was centered around something personal, something heart-centered, right? Uh, something we always talk about at Self-Publishing 30 Days is turning your pain into your purpose. Ooh. And that's what you did, right? That's what you've been able to do through your work. Um, I want to get to the book. Obviously, you're about to be a okay. two-time author shortly. Uh, that's the Athlete to Entrepreneur book. Tamika and I are, are co-authoring that along with several other athletes turned entrepreneurs that you may may or may not have seen on these on these panels that's coming out shortly but you have your own book grateful and greedy uh and that matter of fact i think I, do I you have got the book <laughs> you do got the book <laughs> i was making sure because you know i'm still moving in we just moved to austin i, was, I wasn't sure if it was on this bookshelf but i got the book right here yeah. make sure you go grab your copy reach out to tamika get in touch really enjoyed this read just hearing uh more in depth on your story and just everything going into your business. Now, I want to hear how the book came about and then how that applies to the business. Like, did you write the book before you started Grit and Grind Athletics or was it kind of at the so same time? I wrote time? the book after. I started Grit and Grind Athletics um, in March 2019. Decided I wanted to get out of coaching. So in June when school was out, I was like, I don't care what I do. I'm not coaching a team, but I'm going to train. So immediately went into doing team camps then uh, came over to help out my teammate at Prairie View, um, came out to help the program. And so I got busy and then NCAA rules limited what I could do. And then COVID happened, what, that next March. So the, that year went really fast. And this was the first time ever I had sat down in my life from being a kid chasing a dream. I mean, from 12 years old, when I saw my first WBA game, I was chasing a dream of being an athlete and um, full throttle. And this was the first time I had sat down and um, I had something to say. My grandmother that raised me had just died um, in December. Um, I had made sort of a career change. Um, and I started to um, change my mindset about some things some things that I thought were important became less important. When you get to sit down for a minute, um, you know, things get more clear and uh, loving a challenge. I saw this write a book in 90 days and I'm like, you can't write a book in 90 days. Right. And um, 
decide to join that program, wrote the book in like 120 days uh, and really went back and forth about what angle I wanted to take the book in. So Grateful and Greedy comes from a teacher I worked with at the very last school. She was the bright, the bright light of being at this school. And she used to tell me if I started complaining or if she started complaining, she would say grateful or greedy. And it triggered something in me because I grew up. My grandmother made us say a verse. This is the day the Lord is made. We should rejoice and be glad in it. And it was about gratitude. And mind you, she's she's teaching us this because, you know, I have a mom who's on drugs. We're low income, you know, uh, but you should be grateful. Right. When I looked around me, I knew that I should be grateful. My stuff was bad. But, you know, I had a pretty safe home environment. Just wasn't didn't have a lot of money, but had a lot of love and a lot of structure, a great foundation. And I started thinking about where maybe I had gone wrong with being so grateful that I got to this place of trying to impact others, trying to serve others, that I was a little bit unhappy and a little bit uncertain. And uh, the book was a great way to um, reconcile my thoughts about that really tumultuous experience I had as a coach. And my brother, I remember him calling me. He was crying. He was sad that I never told him it was that bad. So me and my siblings are very close. But um, it was a unique situation, you know, being racially profiled and um, racial microaggressions. It's a very hard conversation to have. And people are having that conversation out loud now. And I just didn't feel like I could say it because I knew I was a hard worker. I knew I wasn't making excuses. Um, but you're always afraid that somebody's going to say, maybe you're over exaggerating. Maybe that's not really happening. And so um, I talk about, so go back, going back to grateful and greedy, I decided that there was nothing wrong with focusing on myself this last half, next phase of my life. And that's where I use the word greedy. Um, and it doesn't mean I'm all for self, what helps me, but it just means what are you passionate about? And what I was passionate about in coaching was impact. I probably could have went and did anything. I wanted to help people and I wanted to help poor people. I knew that. And, you know, coaching just was, you know, it was right in front of my face. And that's the first thing I jumped on is that you can do that through coaching. I could have did that any, you know, through several different avenues. Um, so the book uh, is titled that to encourage people that, and even athletes, right? We, we're on a team all of our life and it's like, share the ball and, you know, share the glory and sacrifice self for the team. And I was still doing that as a full grown adult. It's just me. There was no team. I didn't have my daughter. I wasn't married. I was still sacrificing for the team. And it's like, what team, <laughs> you know? So it's all, the book was all about me um, changing my mindset about winning like I said, I was chasing winning and I was losing. You know, I, I had anxiety at like 30, you know, maybe 28 years old. Um, very bad anxiety when I was, went to check emails or, hey, can I meet with you? Or um, I just I never slept. I was constantly on go. I just I was struggling and um, I was going to be OK with it. I was like, win a little bit more and then go be an athletic director. Take one more job. And then go out a winner and go be an athletic director. I didn't even want to be an athletic director. I wanted to help coaches, but not in the way that an athletic director does. I wanted out of the politics of schools, you know, school sports. I really did. 
Um, so the book is about me identifying where that you can be grateful or greedy mindset really went wrong for me and then deciding you can be both right you know you can you can be grateful for what you have but demand what you deserve you can go full throttle after what you deserve what makes you completely happy uh, and you need a break and a pause and a breath to do that. And COVID gave me that. So it started with the book. And then I started getting real clear about where I wanted the business to go because it just started with camps. It's like, where can you take this? COVID happens. I'm like, we can go virtual. We can, you know, I was like really interested in mindset stuff. We can go mindset. I'm going to do teams. I'm going to do individuals. Um, and then the sky's the limit. I have all these amazing ideas. And then I met Taj and he's like, let's do a co-author project. <laughs> And I met Marley and she's doing this. And there's this whole world of people um, that saw a problem and wanted to fix it. You know, somebody I, I saw a quote the other day, when you experience pain, you've pro you found a problem to solve. And um, being a coach in the way that I was being a coach caused me a lot of pain. Um, and so some I probably could have avoided some that I couldn't have. It's just the way the world is. But I saw a problem to solve. Number one, I got to sports late. You know, I'm grateful for my journey, but I got to it very, very late. Um, and so I want to help minority kids, you know, whatever sport they're interested in, be exposed early. I want them to have quality instruction. I wanted to support minority women coaches so they would have quality instruction. So um, back to the book, though, the book, each chapter has a theme, something I learned. It has some like never told before stories for people that even know me. Uh, what I took from those stories, um, what I learned as a kid that kind of uh, stayed with me and it, it kind of um, explained how I dealt with certain things in my life, um, the lens to which I see life. Um, so I think, you know, it resonates with low income kids. It resonates with a kid, kid who just has a dream, a kid that has a dream that they have. They don't see anybody doing that. Um, immediately in front of them and they're just trying to wing it as they go. Um, obviously, minority coaches, because we're still in the minority, um, a coach that wants to get into the business that just thinks it's going to be all X's and O's and I'm going to impact kids and chest bump and high five kids and doesn't realize the game behind the game, which John Thompson talks about in his autobiography, the game behind the game. You know, if you get into coaching, um, you got to know that game <laughs> behind the game if you want any longevity in it. Um, so the book and the business is intertwined. Uh, all of this is intertwined. My theme word for the next decade is redefine. You have the permission to redefine whatever it is for yourself. Coaching, winning, success, um, parenting, <laughs> Um, you're an athlete, you know, you can redefine your life. You're an athlete the last 25 years. You can redefine success now, all right? Coach, coach defines success. Coach has guided you and your team to success. And now, you know, you're the coach, you're the MVP of the team, <laughs> you're everything, so. <laughs> YB said, when there is pain, there is a problem to solve. He's quoting yeah. you directly right there, yep. Yeah. That was a gym right there. That was for sure a gym. Thank you for sharing that, YB. Tamika, I want to be respectful of your time. Obviously, we can keep going on and on, but I want to thank you for coming on and sharing your story, for sharing your heart-centered work. I was going to wrap up and ask you for like some final advice, but your story is the advice. 
the way you <laughs> overcame the obstacles and the way you kind of walk people through that in your book and in the way that you run your programs and run your business. I think that's the example you're, you're I consider you someone who leads by example. So thank you for coming on the share today. Please tell, tell people where they can get the book, how they can follow your work, how they can get in touch with you, all of that good stuff. Awesome. So uh, thank you for having me. I wish I had more time. I'm a coach, so I get the talking in. <laughs> so the book is at TamikaNewman.com. So that's T-A-M-I-K-A-N-E-W-M-A-N. On Twitter, I'm at Coach No Excuses. Um, and then I'm on LinkedIn. I, I don't know that the link by heart, but I'm on LinkedIn, Tamika Newman, comma, MBA, I think it says. Um, so, yeah, find me on Twitter. Instagram is, gosh, it's leaving me. Find me on Twitter and then <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll go. Is Tamika, something with GGA for Green yeah, Newman underscore GGA. Thanks, it is. We got it back. I got you. I got you. You know, I got to support. But Tamika, thank you. I'm going to let you go. I know you got a you got a practice or a game today. We have a game. We're in the Ooh. conference semifinals. We're in okay. Birmingham, Alabama. So we're in the conference semifinals. We play University of Arkansas Pine Bluff today at four. Nice. Yeah. Well, good, on the Slack Digital Network. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tune in. Tune in. Watch it. Go support. Yeah. Well, thank you for... Uh, spending some time with us today. Good luck on your game. I know you got those girls ready to go, ready to ball out. So much luck to you. And uh, we'll be in touch soon, Tamika. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a good one. All right, Dana, I, before we move on, do we have Shamil present? Let's see. OK, perfect. Our next guest, this is another guy that I've had the, the pleasure of connecting with uh, probably last year, I believe I connected with him. And of course, nothing but good things have come from it. So I'm like, man, we got this panel coming up. Would you like to be a part of it? Let me introduce him so you can hear from him directly. So Shamil Gary is a former NFL athlete who has now shifted his mission to impact people in a different way. He's helping them become elite in their everyday lives. He has spoken to over 100,000 people at businesses, school assemblies, chambers of commerce, student council conferences, Head Start conferences, FCAs, and juvenile detention centers. There's a, uh, that's a busy man right there. Uh, his mission is to creatively inspire the world, rich or poor, old or young, marginalized or famed, to overcome life's many adversities and realize their dreams are meant to empower others. Please welcome to Athlete Entrepreneur, Mr. Shamil Gary. Uh, Shamil, uh, what's up, brother? <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Hey, just for anybody tuning in live right now or anybody who may be listening to the recording, I have to acknowledge Shamil for being here. We had a conversation this morning. He's a little bit under the weather, but thank you for pushing through and still showing up to, to add value to everybody showing up, man. I appreciate you being here. Oh, definitely. Um, one thing I learned um, after leaving sports is, you know, the two Fs, you know, being able to follow up and follow through. And, you know, many athletes, uh, miss this mark right here i feel like you know miss the mark of following up and following through because it's so important and, and i think many people miss it actually uh if you look at you know your your day-to-day -day job you know many people don't follow through the people that are at the top typically they are are extreme um individuals who take following through very seriously they take it personally so um even though 
my stomach is hurting. My head is hurting. <laughs> um, I wanted to make sure, you know, I followed up with you and I followed through with this engagement. I definitely appreciate that, man, because nobody would have been mad at you if you didn't show up. So thank you for being an example of being like, you know what? I said I was good. You like you like Jordan in the flu game, man. Like, you, just, <laughs> you just show up. You go push through regardless. So uh, I like to dive in, man, and just and just talk about your transition a little bit, because I know that when you and I first connected last year, that was one of the things we shared with just some of the challenges that come with transitioning out. Mm -hmm. um, so I have a two part question. The first one is, do you feel like you were prepared to transition into life after football? And then also like, what was the process like just from like a high level view? Right, right. Um, I mean, I think I was prepared, but then I, on the same end, I wasn't prepared uh, because, you know, regardless of how much networking, regardless of how many boot camps you go to and, and how much planning, there's nothing like the real thing. And so when the real thing came, I was like, dang, I wasn't expecting this. I wasn't expecting this emotion. I wasn't expecting uh, to kind of feel lost because I was like, I was always a guy that prided myself on uh, being more than an athlete and having plans to uh, run a business and, and just do different things. You know what I mean? And so when it, when it was time for me to transition, you know, uh, I got a concussion with the bills and I'm driving home 19 hours after accepting an injury settlement. And I realized I was like, damn, kind of it's all gone. I got I, like in that moment because I knew I, I wanted to be done. Like I, I had no more passion left for the game. And so um, and my neck was hurting. So I was like, man, I got I got a seven year old daughter now. But during that time, she was three. And so I'm driving home and I'm, you know, just reliving the massages. I'm reliving the games. I'm reliving like all everything that the NFL brought you. And it's true. The NFL stands for not for long. You know, it, it doesn't last. It's, it comes in a blink of an eye. You know, it's the same thing with high school and college. We're always we get caught up in the hustle and bustle of trying to achieve different goals. But we never take a moment to, to breathe and enjoy where we are at. And so during that drive, that was kind of my moment to enjoy where I was during that time. And so um, I get home and, you know, I did what any normal person would do after driving 19 straight hours off of Red Bull. You know, I went to the car wash and uh, went to the car wash to, to clean my car, man. And, and so um man I, I cleaned my car like i was a master detailer in that moment you know what i mean i'm i'm scrubbing the, the crevices finding skittles finding pennies um I'm, I'm scrubbing the tires and then i finally like got a chance to get to the trunk but i forgot i had all my bags in the trunk so i'm trying to you know be clever and lift up the bags and trying to vacuum underneath them and uh i heard a little voice um say shamil this is what you're doing in your life you're holding on to the baggage that i'm trying to get you to let go of and uh i was like dang that's heavy like, dang, guy, you're trying to punch me in the stomach right now. And so um, from that point forward, I went on this mission of like going hiking, um, man, reading self-development books, uh, just trying to figure out who Shamil was, because I did realize I was holding on to a lot of baggage of shame, regret, embarrassment. My mom passed away like two years before that. And I was the rock for the family. And I never allowed anyone to see me cry or anything like that and what i realized was there are there's tons of people with baggage and i got a chance to play in front of stadiums and people but i realized i could shift my mission from that right there of entertaining people but also shifting it from entertaining people to impacting stadiums of lives uh in a different way and so one of my goals now is to um is to when I die, I want to have a stadium full of people because that means like I I left my mark on their lives. 
Wow, that's a beautiful thing, man. And I, it's been great since we connected. I'm able to follow your work and see you living that out, you know, that impact that you wanted to have. You know, you do that in everyday life. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of things I, I want to take it back to when you mentioned, because I think this will be good for people to hear who are maybe currently playing or have just transitioned out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said that while you were playing, you were networking and, and trying to put yourself in position. But then you also said, it's almost like I always say it doesn't get real until it gets real. Right. You know, like, and I, I didn't play professionally, but like even in college, you may do an internship here or there if you have time or mm-hmm. be like, oh, maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll do this career. But until you're actually in it, experiencing it day to day, you don't necessarily know if that's a good fit or not. Right. So um, I love that you brought that up because do you feel like while you were while you were playing uh, and doing the networking events or just going to some some of the different services that the NFL offers, do you feel mm-hmm. like was it more so because you weren't actually doing it back to the it doesn't get real until it gets real? Or was mm-hmm. it that the resources aren't ad- adequately preparing you? How do you, um, how do you know about that? I mean, I think your, your your statement of it doesn't get real until it gets real um, is 100% correct. Uh, just from the standpoint of you think you want, you know, uh, I know a lot of people who think they want to coach. I, I think I heard, uh, I forgot her name that fast, but um, so forgive me. Tamika, yeah, I got a headache yeah. and everything, you know. Oh, you're good, um, man. You're good. But, um, <laughs> um, you know, she talked about how, you know, people – uh, you know, want to coach, but then they realize it's, it's long hours. And then you realize like, nah, that's not really what I want to do. And so um, what I was just trying to do was I was just trying to expose myself to as many things as possible. And, and Fred Taylor says this on the I Am Athlete uh, podcast, I think. He says exposure leads to expansion. And that's all I was trying to do right there was just expose myself to as many things as possible because I thought I wanted to do real estate. Um, I just knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, man. Like I grew up, like I would knock on people's doors and I, I walked dogs when I was nine years old. Like I, I, you know, I'm not proud of this one right here, but I, I, I stole candy when I was like four, 14 and would go to the school and sell it at school. You know what I mean? Like I was, <laughs> I, I was always just trying to be an entrepreneur. And so I was just trying to expose myself to as, as many things as uh, possible. And then once I was done, you know, it's crazy how God works. Like you think you want to do something and then you get presented with something else. And um, what going to boot camps and and networking events allowed me to see was, you know, many times opportunities are disguised as inconveniences. And so um, those boot camps, those networking events, that was that was inconvenience. I didn't really like our meeting with a real estate agent instead of like I was living in Miami. I was meeting with realtors, commercial realtors and um, residential realtors instead of going to the beach because I just wanted to learn more about real estate. But uh, just from those like inconveniences right there has led to so many different opportunities. Like even talking to you right now, like I don't like talking like this is, this isn't fun right now. My head hurts. Um, <laughs> or even like when the first time we talked, I, I would be alone 24 seven. Like I'm cool with just, just being in my room and just chilling, but I know that's not going to help uh, my future. And I love just building relationships. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I, I flipped the switch of my perspective of, um, Many times inconveniences can actually be opportunities. And so that's why I try to like go to networking events, boot camps. And um, I, I don't I think the net I think the resources that they gave was good. It could be better. Everything could always be better. But uh, I think the statement of it doesn't get real until it gets real is definitely true because you don't know what you want to do until you actually go to the day to day stuff. Mm. So, yeah. 
Yeah, man, I, I love your statement about exposure leads to expansion. And I, I think you said you got that from the uh, I Am Athlete podcast. But oh, it's mine now. I already gave him credit from okay, now on. Right, I'm, cool. I'm going to say it from now on. Like it, <laughs> That's a registered know. trademark of Shabir yeah. Gary now, man. <laughs> but yeah, man, I, I love that because a lot of people don't know this, man, but I'm the same way. And people wouldn't know this by listening to you speak that you just love being alone. It's not that we don't mm -hmm. like people, but I'm an introverted, introverted guy too, man. But like mm -hmm. you said, you have to connect with people. You have to get out there because as much as we might enjoy sitting on the couch in silence and reading a book or mm -hmm. something, nothing's going to happen there. We can't impact people that way and people can't impact our lives that way. So right, I love right. that you shared all that, man. Uh, can I add something real quick? Oh, go ahead, please. please. Because, you know, you hear, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot and I want to make a little funny skit. So if anyone like sees this, you can you can steal it from me. I, you know, I, 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 I case everything, copy and steal everything. So, you know what I mean? I, I give you credit one time and then I take it for myself. But um, my my you hear athletes say this all the time. Get out of your comfort zone. Be comfortable with the uncomfortable. You know, but they're not talking about like life. They're talking about running sprints. They're talking about in the <laughs> weight room. They're talking about on the football field, because if you're like, hey, man, we need to go to this networking event. They're like, no, nah, that's that's really not my thing. Hey man, let's let's learn more about uh, uh let's go to this finance and uh this finance boot camp. Nah, I, I don't got time for that. I, I gotta I gotta run. Well, you just told me you wanted to be comfortable with the uncomfortable, so why not put yourself in those situations? And so, mm. um, you know, I I, I do truly challenge people, all athletes, if you're going to say get comfortable with the uncomfortable, mean it in all phases of your life, not just in on the field. So that's my. Yeah, he, could, he, could drop, he could drop the mic on that one, man. Um, I, obviously, I, I want to get more into everything you're doing now because, like I said, man, ever since we connected, man, follow it, love the work you're doing. Uh, I can see where you're heading because I feel like, you know, you're really just getting warmed up with the impact that you want to have. Like, mm -hmm. You're talking about filling up stadiums and stuff. I definitely see that for you one day, man. Um, and then, but I, I don't want to overlook this because I wrote this down earlier when you were talking about the baggage that example you gave which is mm. a beautiful metaphor how you, you really laid that out the baggage in your trunk mm. um i think like you said a lot of athletes our sport is our outlet for that baggage mm. no matter what's going on in life you can always go to the field or the court or whatever it is you play and that's your sanctuary right um even you, you know talk to people who have childhood trauma they're still dealing with and you mm -hmm. can just throw all that into your sport and you don't have to deal with it so then you find yourself, your career's over during your early, mid-20s, mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, I still got this stuff from like 10, 15 years ago yep. and throughout the course of my playing career. Um, how did you begin to, you know, aside from exposing yourself to different things and, and diving into personal development, how did you begin to like unpack all that stuff that was pushed down by football and start mm -hmm. to process it so that you could move on into the next stages of your life? Right, right. Um, man, that's a that's a good question right there. Uh, it was it was definitely a journey. So I I, I kind of did it in a um, in a process process like I was taking care of my car. And so, you know, I think about it from the standpoint of with the car, um, you need to go get the tires checked, the oil check, um, get your brakes checked. And many times in our lives, we kind of check the engine and check the oil one time a year. And that is like January 1st when we want to set new goals. And we kind of that's like surface level. You know, what I mean, we really don't even take like the, the engine out. We really don't even like really um, check what's going on underneath underneath the car. And so I thought about that. It was crazy. Like that whole experience of cleaning out my car. I got so many metaphors and analogies and it, I started to apply to my life. So uh, what I started with was every Sunday. I took uh, 30 minutes to an hour to sit down and write how I felt 
you know, how I felt about like leaving the game, um, how I felt about my mom passing away, how I felt about, you know, me being afraid to make a mistake. Like, where did that come from? And I started to like just go go back to when I was 10, 12, 13. And I realized, OK, I'm doing this on my own. But I mean, I don't actually change the oil in my car. I'm not that guy. You know, I mean, like I, I would rather go get a manicure or a pedicure. That's that's not my thing. You know what I'm saying? So um, I realized I need to find a counselor. And so I made sure I went to go see a counselor at least uh, once a month. And so through the NFL, uh, that is one thing I can't say about the NFL is like through the NFL, I got uh, free counseling sessions. And so, you know, I, I utilized that. And so I, I went to counseling. And then from counseling, uh, I started to apply some of the things that the counselor was telling me, some of the things that I was writing down. And I would be intentional with, you know, one thing that I needed to, to work on. So, you know, I was very bad at taking time for Shamil. And so that's why I went to go hiking. That's why I went to go like to Colorado or California or something like that to just be in a space where there's no phone. There's no like stimulus to take me away from my thoughts. And so uh, once I did that right there, I started to under, uh, uh, discover um, new things about myself, you know, treasure that that was, you know, uh, lost with the baggage being piled on top. Because many times, you know, we have dreams and aspirations. We have like treasure underneath there uh, when we were like 10 and 12. But we uh, um, put it to the back of our heads because you know, some type of fear or because of a, a parent dying or a parent saying we can't do something, et cetera. So I started to uh, I started to discover some of these things and it was a, a cool process. So I started with Sunday to the counseling, to being intentional and applying. It's no point in like, you know, doing all this stuff. You're not going to apply anything. So I started to actually apply what I was doing and then take time for myself one, like uh, once a month to to get away from, you know, the world in a way. Mm. Yeah. man all right so two two big things i want to pull from that Shamil. and i know we're here to talk to athletes you know athletes mm -hmm. entrepreneurs but the great part about this is that what you just shared applies to everybody about how oh, yeah. you were able to move through a difficult season in your life two of the main things i love about that is number one the intentional action that you took like you know healing doesn't happen automatically you can't just mm -hmm. sit back and, yeah. and uh, like the fact that you took action and were intentional about mm -hmm. writing stuff down carving out time to get what was going on in your head out onto some paper, mm -hmm. get out into nature, be alone with yourself. That's a beautiful thing. And I love that you also sought help man. something that's very difficult for athletes. A lot of people, men, mm -hmm. you know, men yeah. are, are so like prideful. Right. I don't need help. I got it on my own. You know, right. I was talking to Thomas earlier about being a lone wolf, but I love that you, you know, were able to put your pride to the side and mm -hmm. go seek some help from a professional. Right. 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 Um, and yeah, go ahead, please. My bad. And, and the thing is, yeah. we, we deserve counseling. Like, mm. we deserve. Like, it, it's it, it's so silly to ever think that um, something's wrong with me because I want to go to counseling. There, there. Um, I'm not man enough if I want to go to counseling. No, 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 no. You deserve to have someone, someone who had who gives them gives you their undivided attention. Because how many times do you talk to someone? And you you telling them something deep and then they talking about TikTok or Snapchat or they want to like <laughs> tell you like, oh, yeah, I've been through something like that. I'm like, why can't you just ask more questions about, you know, what's going on in my life? And so that counselor that they'll hit you with, you know, man, my, my, my mom died. So how does that make you feel? Well, you know, I'm feeling like this. 
Okay, so, you know, has that, have you seen that uh, affect you in different areas? They asking 10 questions before you move on from that one thing, because many times uh, uh, when you say something one time, you're not truly saying the full scope of like everything of, of how you feel. You know what I mean? And so many times when you're talking to someone, you say one thing and they take it for like what it means. And that's not really where you were getting at. You know what I'm saying? And then the next thing is like, I want to let people know, like healing and building something great it's not sexy you know when you get injury when you get a, a tear your acl that process of getting back to where you need to be is not sexy so when we have baggage the process of healing ourselves it's not a sexy process but we need to go through it to reach our full potential and impact as many lives as possible hey, Smith, go ahead and drop the mic again man you just <laughs> you just went in for about two minutes straight man <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. But that's an important message that people need to hear. You did a beautiful job of laying that out, man. Um, all right, let's talk about what you're doing now. Because like I said, I love what you're up to. How did you decide once you went through that healing process, okay, this is my life's work, right? I always say there's a huge difference between your job and your work. And you are mm -hmm. someone who's a shining example of someone who's found their work. So how did mm -hmm. you know what your work was going to be? How did you go about pursuing it and building it um, to get it to where it is today? Mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't like a, a, a tough problem. I mean, I would drop my daughter off at school. I was watching, um, um, what was that? Paw Patrol. I was watching Paw Patrol. Uh, my daughter, like, you know, she watched, she watched that every morning at that time. So I was eating Fruit Loops and watching Paw Patrol. And uh, that spring before, I did like 30 speaking engagements in a month uh, for free. And I was like, man, as I'm like eating Fruit Loops, I'm like, that's what I want to do right there. Like that, that felt so good to be able to, um give advice but not just give advice because it feels like oh yeah it's about Shamil but give advice to make an impact on someone's life and that one word they could be on e in that moment but that like one sentence or that one thought that one exposure to to the thing that I said could just give them that extra that extra um gas to help them go that extra mile you know what I mean and I love that right there and so uh, man, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, luckily, you know, like networking is key. So okay, guess what I did? I started to reach out to people and let them know what I wanted to do. And one person said, hey, you should uh, call this person. I called that person. They were part of uh, a speakers bureau. Uh, I got the whole game right there. And um, and from there, I started to, you know, um, get better at my follow up and follow through because, you know, I would call someone one time and they wouldn't answer or they would give me a no and I was like, all right, cool, you know, but I started to realize, okay, I'm not going to get any business if I don't start following up and like following through with like emails and uh, following through on my website and different things like that. Um, but I kind of shifted, you know, I'm still doing motivational speaking. I'm still, uh, but the pandemic made me realize like um, I want to impact lives in a different way. I want to impact athletes. So I still want to speak. I still speak. Not I want to, I still speak, but um I actually just started a new business called the Athlete Roundtable. And um, that business is a holistic development um, driven business focused on um, high school, middle school, high school and college athletes, uh, exposing them uh, to, to new things. You know what I mean? So it's all about the five E's exposure, education, execution, empowerment and their the student athlete experience. You know what I mean? And so um we have right now what I'm doing is we have a Sunday, uh, a weekly Sunday call at six o'clock and 
you know, we talk about habits. Uh, I bring on a chef. We all cook. Uh, this next month, we're doing a financial literacy month. So we're doing budgeting, credit, you know, going just going deep into financial literacy. Because when I was at OSU, when I was at nothing against any of these programs, because many times it's just a time uh, time constraint. And so uh, they would bring in people five times a year, you know, uh, and they bring in people in the fall when I'm focused on I'm trying to I'm trying to ball this year. I'm trying to get to the league, you know, like and the same thing in the NFL. They'll bring someone during fall camp. Listen, I don't care how good your message is. I'm trying to make the team. I don't like I don't know what you talk about right now. So what, what I do is it's a weekly call and it's a text group and I have replays of the calls. And so therefore it's constantly being ingrained in your mind of um, what we've been talking about. Now a year going year has went by and we have done 48 calls of professional development. So you're telling me you're not going to grow from that, that experience right there. And so I'm in the process of building that. And you know, that's a whole building something. Like I said, it's not sexy. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying that whole process right now. That's awesome, man. You're really checking all the boxes. Like you said, it's not just, you know, you're going over financial literacy, even getting on there and cooking with, with these guys, man. That's, mm -hmm. or not, it's not just guys, it's men and women, right? Yeah, men and women, all sports. Yeah, 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 yeah. All sport. I think that's important too, man. Because uh, you see, I feel like, of course, if you want to stick with your sport, that's great. But the mm -hmm. fact that you're like, we all have the athlete mindset. It doesn't matter what yeah. sports you play, like you can you can get back to all of them. So like I said, I love that you're checking all the boxes um, and, and uh, making sure they have everything they need. It's a holistic approach. Mm -hmm. That's what's really cool about it, man. Yeah. Um, you kind of already alluded to it. I know you're just starting the building blocks of building that program out, but what's next for Shamil Gary, man? What can the world expect down the line in the years to come? Uh, so the athlete roundtable will be in a high school, a middle school, and a college near you. Um, I am focused on uh, – I mean, I, I would love to be in a D1 program, but I'm focused on like D2s and D1AA's and D3s and JUCOs because uh, typically those uh, programs, they have one person doing five different roles. So, uh, you know, you, you tell me if, if you're really allocating, allocating the, the right amount of resources to the student athlete, if you're doing five different things. Probably not, you know. Um, so that's one of my goals right there. Uh uh, I'm coming out with at least three ebooks for the athlete roundtable. I just finished uh, the 40 day affirmation uh, devotional. So it's a, you know how you, how we have prayer devotionals. This is an affirmation devotional for athletes. Um, and then I have a hydration, and then um, I have a new children's book coming out in uh, in September. So I'm working on that as well. I got something else I'm working on, but I'm not. I'm, I'm gonna keep that on the on the low because right, that's top secret for yeah, now. Top secret, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's great, man. You got a lot of different stuff going on. A lot of ways you're serving and, uh, and helping people out. Can you please tell people before we wrap up how they can get in touch with you, how they can get the ebooks, uh, how they can be a part of the athlete roundtable, all of that? Mm. Yeah. So uh, go to go to theathleteroundtable.com um, if you want to be a part of the calls. Just scroll down just a tad bit and it says join the Sunday athlete roundtable call and, and you'll, you'll see information to, to fill out the form. Um, if you want to get in contact with me, you know, the best way is, man, you can email me. I, I just feel like we're in a, a phase where like, I would, I'm okay with you, you sending me a DM and, and texting me or whatever, because I don't know people. That's a whole, I'm about to rant on that right there. But, <laughs> Real quick, people kill me. We, we're talking on LinkedIn 
and I can LinkedIn has the capabilities of being able to send you like uh, I can send documents and all that. Then you send me your email. And now it's a whole nother thing I have to check. So to all the people just, you know, message me on LinkedIn, Shamil Gary. Uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram S dot Gary seven, um, as well as I don't I, I don't really use Twitter. Um, my Facebook page is Shamil Gary, where I kind of like update stuff. But uh, and then I have my website, my personal website is ShamilGary.com. If you want to book me to speak at uh, your organization as well as and then uh, the athlete roundtable. And so I, what I got cool with athlete roundtable, too, is I'm starting a speakers bureau within the athlete roundtable. And so um, if you want to book any of my speakers, that's part of the speakers bureau of the athlete roundtable. Go to the athleteroundtable.com. There's no one. There's just me on there. But I will have some people <laughs> here soon uh, within the next two weeks. Awesome, man. Well, Shamil, appreciate you coming on, man. Especially, hey, I couldn't tell. I don't think anybody could tell that you're not feeling 100%, man. So what you heard from Shamil today is only a taste. He's not even feeling his best. Imagine what he's, what he's, what he's saying. Speak on it, Shamil. Speak on it. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, Shamil, I'm going to let you go, man. I'm going to let you rest up so you can bounce back. Thank you again for coming on and sharing. Um, definitely value all the things that you do, man, all the wisdom you shared today. And uh, mm -hmm. really glad we connected last year, man. It's just the beginning for all the things we can work on together. So, oh, definitely. I appreciate you. And uh, can I leave one? Can I say one last thing? I apologize. Go ahead, man. Thing. Go ahead. Go ahead. Is we talked about like the Sundays with, as far as like cleaning out your, your, your trunk, um, or cleaning out the baggage. I, I truly believe everyone should do at least three times a week Monday, Wednesday, Friday, um, or Monday, Wednesday, Sunday, whatever you want to do. But check on your five F's. Um, so family, faith, um, mental fitness and physical fitness, um, finance and your field. So like career field, check, check on those and rate it. And then so rate it one to ten. And then after you rate it, write down one thing you can do that day to make it a little bit better. We're not trying to go from a one to a ten. We're just trying to go from one to like one and a half. And so now you're putting on your mind like, OK, dang, I need to call my mom or I need to be better in this area. Because I feel like uh, I say this all the time is if one of the F's is F'd up, your whole life is F'd up. So that's kind of <laughs> what I say right there. Um, so I, I encourage people to kind of check in with themselves in that area. And that can get you started with the cleaning out your, your trunk right there. Awesome, man. Yeah. Strong advice. That audit, that self audit right there. Yeah. That's strong, man. What, yeah, what, yeah. Would you say one of your F's is F'd up? Your whole life is F'd up? Oh, yeah. Right there. <laughs> 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 that's a good one man all right brother Shamil, thank you man everybody please follow this man get in touch with him sign up for that athlete round table uh get the books all of that Shamil, thank you for being here with us today man we'll talk soon oh yeah thank you have a great day you too brother all right all right everybody this has been another athlete to entrepreneur panel we just heard from thomas williams tamika newman and Shamil gary as you can tell they were on fire we will be back next month I'll get back to you with the dates that posted. I want to thank Dana Gunn. I want to thank Dana Gunn, our programming director at Self-Publishing 30 Days for being on the one and twos, making everything flow smoothly. Thank you for doing that, Dana. Thank you for the team at Self-Publishing 30 Days. This whole event is sponsored by Self-Publishing 30 Days. Make sure you visit selfpublishing30days.com. This is the year for your new book. This is also brought to you by Thrive After Sports. You can get the book at thriveaftersportsbook.com or by going to tajdeshawn.com and just clicking on the book tab. Make sure you tune in with Self-Publishing 30 Days Podcast. Make sure you tune in with Thrive After Sports Podcast. I appreciate you all for being here. Everybody have a great weekend. We'll see you next time. Peace.
Thank you, YB. Hey, so if you made it to the end of this episode, first of all, thank you for tuning in. For those of you guys who are here for the first time, welcome. Please like the video if you're watching on YouTube and subscribe to this channel. I have a lot more great interviews coming up. I think you'll really be surprised with some of the guests that I have and some of the stories that they have to share. This is important work. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please just leave a five-star review, subscribe, and share this episode or any other episodes out with someone who needs to hear it. I am on a mission to help as many athletes transition out of their sport and have successful lives after their careers and not just survive, but thrive in everything that they do. And you guys know I do that in a myriad of ways. It's not just the podcast. It's not just the books, but I do offer coaching as well. I want to encourage you guys to go back and look at some of the testimonials of former athletes that I've worked with to help them through their transitions. Guys, don't hesitate to reach out. Visit tajdeshawn.com. That's where you can find all the free resources, not just the podcast and the books, but access to me. You can schedule a free call with me. I'm not gonna get on that call and try to sell you on buying a group program. I have a ton of free access and scholarships for athletes to work with me. So utilize those resources, guys. And last but not least, I definitely wanna encourage you guys to grab my first book, Thrive After Sports. You can just go on Amazon, type in Taj Deshawn, I have multiple books on there, but I always try to point people to Thrive After Sports just because I think that's the, the book that I look at as the most impactful that can help an athlete through the transition. I know a lot of people have read that book and been helped through the transition without ever having to speak to me or even listening to my podcast. And I just got this recording today that I wanted to share with you guys from my guy, Benjamin Van Buren. He's a soccer player, former soccer player at Mercy College, uh, went on to play professional soccer and just recently retired. And he read my book while he was playing, but then read it again after he retired. And this is what he had to say about it. I love you guys. I'll see you in the next episode. Peace. And here's Ben. Yo, Taj is Ben from Athlete Mentor. Um, just want to let you know, obviously your book came in and I read it a while ago um, when I was still in season and it didn't really hit me then. I was like, yeah, cool. It's a, it's a great book, whatever. And then I went to Spain and I was playing for a team over there and then I left because my grandmother was sick, uh, so I came home, and now it's hitting me. So I read it again. Dude, that thing is phenomenal. Like, if you could put this audio on a case study on your website, I would do it because it's crazy how, like, the skills and attributes that student-athletes have just go, they just go missing. And it's like, yeah, you're playing sports, you have all this adrenaline, all this, all this, hype about you all you're working out all the time you feel good and then out of nowhere it's like oh cool i'm done you know like i know nothing to work for really so then you get into sales you get into other things and you find something that you want to build for yourself and that's what you get that that uh that excitement and that adrenaline from again so yeah man i just want to let you know that i read it again and it really hit me now that i'm kind of officially retired as a player player but um yeah that's uh that's all i wanted to say man i hope you're doing well hope you're living the life I'm actually on Long Island now. I'm going to go to Stony Brook basketball game, so at your alma mater. But, uh, yeah, dude, uh, phenomenal work. And uh, let's, let's obviously stay in touch and maybe get on a call soon. Talk to you later. Peace.